The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. here trying my ass off. <laughs> Is that better? It's awesome. And some of the greatest podcasts I've ever done start out like exactly like that or me oh, restarting nice. my my computer a million times or like today where I have explosive diarrhea, James. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, so. no. It's, it's been one of those years, you know. <laughs> it's been an explosive diarrhea year. Absolutely. Year? Oh, my God. I know. I've I'm, been there. I, I, and I know, and I'm just, it's, uh, you're so nice and you're so humble and I, I, I hate entertainers and I hate musicians and artists. And when I saw you, I was like, I'm going to reach out to him. And I was just so glad that you said yes, but then I've been, you know, but you've been liking my stuff and just been so gracious and humble. And I mean, right. if, if that is the, when people ask me, well, first off, they'll say like, I want to. I want to get into wrestling. You know what? You know what advice do you have for me? And it's usually like you know run, um, and then <laughs> and then they want to be a musician. And I really don't have much to say about that. You know, right, so right. And you're just so so nice. How have you done everything that you've done, and then maintained like humble composure? Because well, maybe it's because of this. Because you and I both started. Like, how young were you when you started in this business? I was three. How old were you? Uh, well, the first play I did, I was nine. Okay, so yeah. maybe it's because you've been doing it so young that you that you're grounded, or why do you think that you're so grounded? You know, for me personally, I think I got away for a long time, and I only came back a little over a decade ago. But I, I, I had to have a lot of losses first in my life. I didn't have success early on. I, I saw a lot of defeat, and I had to do a lot of things I didn't want to do. And so I think I just remember where I came from. Now as I climb the ladder. Um, and so I don't want to have to go back to where I started, you know what I mean? And I just, I always remember just how people were when I was starting out. I'm like, I never want to be that way. I want to, you know, make sure that I build people up and not bring them down. And so I know what it's like to be at the bottom. So, and have to claw your way up. It, it's, it's very interesting. And so I was listening to some other pods of yours and reading about you and everything. And it, you did start doing acting and, you, you started doing commercials when you were young too, right? Or what kind yeah. of work? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I did some local commercials for around my hometown. And- Which is Pittsburgh. It is. Yes. Yeah. You're still there. And who, there. who got you into commercials and who got you into like actually getting into paid gigs? Uh, well, you know what? The commercial thing worked out because a friend of mine actually got picked up as a background actor in a movie when we were kids. And I thought, man, this was so cool. And then he started doing commercials and he turned me on to somebody that was, was casting for him. And so I got my first one under my belt. Then I did like a local pizza shop. I started doing things for colleges, you know, like you know, wearing backpacks in a room and just walking, just doing little stuff. And then um, then doing background work on Hollywood films and trying to you know get whatever I could when I was young because I didn't know much. And uh, just, I was just happy getting my face out there. But now I really have kind of honed in on the craft and know who I am as a creative. And that's a different, that's a different game. But it took a long time to get there. You know? Don't you think, I think there's a special gift with people that are out 
auditioning and in the hustle. Like I was in Hollywood for a long time and um, I did, a, I did more movies and commercials in Minnesota where I'm from than I did in, in Los Angeles. Okay. And I think here in Tennessee, I've done a lot too. And I'm going to talk to you a little later on. I had written down, like, do you think it's better to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond? Because if, you know, like movies like Batman are coming to Pittsburgh, like that's, they're, they're going to want to cast more people that are local, you know, than right. fly people sure. in. So, you know, what it, we'll, we'll talk about that, like what the culture is. But I think that having to go hustle and like sell yourself, especially younger. And then it's not like you're going to a, a job, like I say, regular people, normal people go and they do a job interview. That's a big difference between oh. a, between an audition where basically if you don't get it, it's because like they don't like not you and like the, the work that you can do for IBM or Dell or whatever. But it's like it's it's very personal. Like, how did you were you always good at dealing with rejection? Did you did you just like learn it like I did or like how because you seem like real confident now? Like, obviously, if you're playing roles like like you're playing, like you've got some confidence built up. Like, let's talk about where that comes from. For sure. And I, I think a lot of it comes from surviving defeat. You know, um, when I was away from the business, I was I was doing everything but the film industry. I was in uh, union politics and construction. I was working through OSHA, uh, working my way up the ladder. But I was involved with a very corrupt union at the time. Really? I, I kind of was the guy that yeah went against the pack. Um, I had family in that office. I was four generations of my family. It's kind of a wild story, but I mean, I ended up kind of taking them on because I knew what they were doing to our members was wrong. Uh, long, long story short, you know, I kind of lost the election, got myself blackballed and found myself looking for new work again, you know, because I was, I was fighting for what was right. But if I had to do it all over, I'd do it the same way tomorrow because I would have not found my way back to this industry had I not gone through that. And so I think it made me confident for auditions. It made me confident for being on camera. Uh, because I was in front of those large crowds and I suffered if I lost three elections. Uh, it's If you can do that, you know, in front of a, a group of people that are that tough and that crazy, yeah, you can handle anything. And that's, that's my opinion. And that means you can even survive the crazy world of Hollywood if need be. Did you go out to Hollywood to do uh, auditions? Did you stay in Pittsburgh? Did you go someplace else? Like take us on your journey of like before sure. you were out of the business 10 years well, before I was out of the business, no, I never, I never really made it far outside of. I did a lot of local stuff. I didn't know much. I was really young, and I just did anything I could do at the time because I didn't know what else to do. And at that time, when I was a kid, I mean, cell phones weren't as privy, and um, there was no social media. And so, if you missed a call from an audition, you missed a gig, you know. Yes. And so, um, that you can really find yourself at the bottom of the list at that point. So, by the time I came back, things were starting to rise, like social media, and then. And being able to obviously text the message in, email message in, things you weren't able to get at before. And then the platforms, streaming has really leveled the playing field, I think. And so having that is in our arsenal too, kind of gives us more fighting ground than we used to have. And so I just was able, I took a few years to really try to figure out how to put all these tools together because I knew that all the elements were there. And once you figure out social media and streaming and you know how to promote yourself and network, I think that's more than half the battle. Do, uh, that's what I was going to say, because I like old school, two stories that come to mind for me is one, I remember like just getting a lot of confidence. I got most of the jobs that I went out for and um, I remember I didn't get one and I was, I wasn't upset, but I was, I was confused. 
And I saw that casting director six months later, maybe. I think I was like maybe seven. I wasn't that old. Okay. And I, I remember asking her, I was like, I really thought I had that uh, that audition in the bag. Like, why didn't I get it? You know, I'm like a pretty ballsy as a kid. And she just right. smiled and said, oh, it had nothing to do with you. And I kept thinking, well, then why didn't I get it? And she said, because we were looking for a real pudgy, kind of overweight, redheaded, freckled little girl. But um, we just couldn't put it like we were going to. I don't think back. I think back then you could have put that on the call sheet now. Oh, God, you can't sure. put that on Facebook auditions or something. And they'll be like, you're discriminating. Like, no, I'm looking for a pudgy, redheaded, freckled kid. I think she said that's what we were looking for. But we still opened the field just in case something else came in for a future project, whatever. And like once she told me that, it was like a light bulb went off for for anything that I could possibly get rejected, whether it be a friend or a job or um, a partner, like a, a date that I went on. And it's just like, you know what? I'm a guy that I really liked a few years ago. He just was really into super tall, dark haired, black haired chicks, you right. know, like real island looking and, and like at least five, eight or five, nine. Well, I'm five, four and I'm blonde. And he was like, have you ever thought of, you know, dyeing your hair? And I was like, fuck off, you know, no, you, know? you could do everything right too. And it's just, that's not what people were looking for. And you can have the best audition in the world and, and it's nothing that you did, you know, and you can take a little solace in that too, knowing that I did everything I could and I just wasn't what they were looking for. But it, that's such a nice thing when you can transfer that over to like, I got stood up or I went on one date and they didn't want to go out with me again, or I didn't make it through that second interview or whatever. It's just like, somebody's doing you a favor, God, the universe, the other person, whatever. And it just wouldn't have been a good fit. And it's like, I've always been one James for just not pushing what's not going with the flow. You can want it and hope all you want, but if it's not going, like there's usually a pretty good reason in the universe for that. For sure. Then you have to be okay with being told no. I, I, I look at no as a not now. I'll see you later because I'm going to find a way around you and I'm coming one way or another. So that's just, that's just my whole take on it. Um, one door closes, we'll open another. I use I use the metaphor all the time with a sledgehammer. If you put a wall in front of me, I'm going to make a hole and we're going to have a door. You know, I'm going to swing that sledgehammer until we have a door. So, one way or another, we're going to we're going to get what we want. And I think you have to be determined and you have to be willing to take rejection. Right. I I think more than ever that is something that is not a component of today's society, and that is rejection. I think people have meltdowns, freakouts. If, if any reject, and I think rejection is, I think it's good. I think it builds grit and stamina. I mean, I don't want it all the time, but like yeah, once, sure. once you get used to a no and it's just like guys do it all the time. I see them just at like at a club, they'll just ask and ask and ask until somebody bites or chicks. Well, you know, and it's like, there's something to be said about that. I want to talk to you about the streaming process and, and all the auditions that, sure. that I've been going on virtually. And you said like, in your opinion, you think it's a good thing. And, and, and then I think you, some of the auditions that I was on, I remember being able to like listen through the, the wall, like when there'd be like a line of chairs up against the room where they were casting and you could kind of like hear, watch the person leave the room. And then you'd hear like all the casting directors and, you know, producers like saying, but, but I would really, I would listen and people would try to talk to me and I'd be like, just leave me alone. Like I'm, I'm listening. I miss that about the audition uh, process. You seem to really like it. So you like it because you can market yourself, get your shit done, 
make it look tight and send it off all pretty. Is there anything that you miss about live auditioning? Oh yeah. I, there's pros and cons to both. I mean, just everything you just said, I agree with. Um, I, I think I sell myself better in person, no matter what. I think we all do. I think it's when they're going to see the best version of you. Um, for me, I think. I'm I listening. Like, I'm sorry. I'm listening. I didn't think you wanted you to think that I went away. I was just oh, giving no, no, you the floor. I, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, I think that um, that having this platform though allows you to get more done in less time, and it allows you to market yourself all over the place to where so many different people will be able to see it in a matter of moments. But um, I am I am a hands-on physical person. I would rather be there in person to market myself. Um, I agree with you 100% on that. I think we just have to constantly evolve though and, and adapt the situations if we're going to continue to create um and i think it's it's just something that we have to do you have to reinvent yourself every so often um, i can go with the wrestling terminology right now too because look, look at chris jericho he reinvents himself every two or three years um and we have to do that in, in the regular world right if we're going to survive what do you think about chris jericho and what he's doing i i really like him i do i mean i i just i just i can respect the fact that Everywhere he's been, he's found a way to reinvent himself and adapt to his surroundings and his situation. And I think it's no more different than it was 25 years ago for him. I think he just, he finds a way into an area and he knows how to take over and uh, at least present himself in a way that he is the guy. And uh, I think that that's what we try to do as actors. I think musicians try to do it. I think, you know, uh, comedians, if you can find a way to constantly evolve and, you know, and reinvent yourself, I think there's always going to be a place for you. Because this is a business that can swallow you up after a few years if, if you don't. I saw you do an interview on a platform. I think the show is called Real, R-E-E-L, Real Talk or something similar to that. Yeah. And I was really, uh, I'm, I'm always competitive because I like to listen to the questions that are asked. I'm like, oh, I can do better than that. And I was blown away because they said something really cool that I actually was like, well, holy shit. I never thought about that. And that's one of the hosts said, you know, James, um, we share this in many different Facebook groups, you know, for casting or for uh, movies or just anything entertainment related. And I was like, damn, I need to do that. I need to do that for the guests that could benefit from the eyes that would see it. So that's why I, I made this, this backdrop with, you know, three of the movies that you've been in. So instead of waiting to the end of the podcast and half the people fall asleep, jerking off or doing whatever they do when they're <laughs> listening to a pod, right up and transparent from the beginning, you know, you're doing a lot of, you said you did three today. You're doing a lot of these podcasts. What can we do? What can the, what can the listeners do? I've got the ticker, uh, follow you on, on Twitter, interact, make this guy bigger than life because he is like retweet his stuff and, and share it. What else can we do for you, you for the people that are that are listening and watching? Like call it out. Like I'm I'm asking you. You're not shame shamelessly plugging. I'm asking you, like, what can we do for you? I think just to continue to support and to watch our, our products, whether whether you like them or not, give us feedback. I just like to interact with people to see what they want to see from me next. So I I tweet a lot and people send me messages all the time and I try to answer as many as possible. Because I like to find out what they like and what they don't like. And then I kind of weigh the pros and cons. And then I try to come up with a new variation of me down the road to try to show everybody something a little different. So I use that as an experiment. So if you can always just interact with me and tell me what you like, what you don't, what you want to see more of. And, you know, and I'm going to go after it because I got to continue to hone my craft. Exactly. And 
so I, I know Sandman is, is 2019 or 218. Then what's this other no knock? What, what's the name of it? Uh, no knock list. Yes. No knock list. That was, that was the 18, 2018. It was, yeah. It's actually getting remarketed. It got rebranded and picked up by a bigger company in LA. Now we're supposed to, I don't know all the information, but it's supposed to be coming out sometime in June and I'll be able to start promoting it here real soon. So I well, know let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about each one. And sure. first off, before we get into that, what are you the most excited about right now? Because I heard you saying, oh, someday I want to do a Western or, you know, I'd like to do a paranormal, which you, you have that's out also. I'm actually currently finishing filming. I'm about okay. 98% complete. So we almost have one in the books. And is that one that you are directing or? Yes, I, I'm co-directing that one. And I'm, I'm the lead actor, but there's five of us that are the lead. So uh, we have a nice, nice core cast. We're really having a great time. And so to be a lead actor and direct a feature film too, it's a lot of work. Um, oh. but, but it's 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 one I was happy to finally take on. I wasn't ready for it a decade ago, but I certainly am happy to try to fill those shoes now. And it's a lot, but at least when you're at the wheel, you only have you to blame if it doesn't turn out. And so I, I, I can live with that. Why weren't you ready uh, 10 years ago? Well, 10 years ago, I was just simply interested in acting only. That's all I wanted to do was figure my way through the waters. And as time went on, I had to force myself into writing because we lost a writer. I started producing because I was good at landing locations and talking with people. And then I also started directing because we lost directors. This guy moved to Hollywood. This guy went to New York. And so I had to step up in situations where I didn't think I was going to. And so, yeah, I wasn't ready to step into all those positions a decade ago. But over the last decade, I've certainly acquired some skills that I didn't have. And, and I have a better confidence for all those areas now. I, lo- I love that. I love that. And that was a, com- a comment that you made in another podcast that I was listening yeah. to, you You know, through just not mistakes, but through problems come, you know, great, great triumphs. So let's take it one. What are you working on right now that you're the most excited about the paranormal or is there other things too? Yeah. Well, the the paranormal film I'm excited about because that's, that's the first feature paranormal film I've gotten to do. So I'm really, really pumped about that. And we kind of got a little twist in there that I can't say, but it's going to keep people shocked at the end. And I, and I hope it really hits home the way we're trying to get it to. Um, But I'm actually really excited about, Sandman. I'm going to the next version of Sandman, our boxing film, and that's going to be coming up this fall, providing, you know, COVID doesn't stifle everyone again and we don't get sad at home. Um, because the first version we did was a short film and we won awards and we took it all over the world. You know, we went to Japan, we went to Scotland, we went we went to Vegas and, and we did really well out there. And so a lot of people want to see a, a bigger version now. And so we've been meeting with investors and coming up with a new script and we're really going to head home on that. And I'm excited about that because half of what you see in there is my own life story. It's the stuff that we talked about in the union. I was, I was an ex fighter in the ring. So I've used that tool to try to catapult myself through this film industry and to tell this story. And so I think it's a really nice catalyst um, to be able to use the, the boxing side of things to, to gel into your own real life situation. And so and we got a little bit of a supernatural sci-fi type element to this too. That you haven't seen in boxing before. In, in Sandman you do? We do. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, there's a supernatural entity that kind of takes over this fighter at, at certain times when he's in need. And, uh, but there's still a lot of real authentic boxing. Well, I'm, I'm in there with a lot of professionals that have fought for the years, like Jose Caraballo, who was in Southpaw, and he's a professional fighter out of Pittsburgh. So we try to make sure that when we show these scenes that we go through the motions the right way. We go in there and we, you know, we throw it on a little lighter than we should, but just in order to, to sell on camera, we make sure everything looks right. And so we have to put ourselves to a lot of physicality. And uh, But I think that's half the battle. I don't want to half-ass anything. 
Well, I did, I no, I didn't know that. I'm just looking at even like the where is it? Looking at the promo, and I'm thinking he's in really, really great shape. Like, what's up with that? And I did, I didn't know. You know, right. I, I mean, I read about you, but I didn't see that part. So, so how yeah, long I don't always train? talk about it, but yeah, well, you should. <laughs> and so, I was for me to be able to tell that story meant a lot because it was kind of very vindicating compared to what I went through in that union and coming back and growing in the acting industry now. And so, it really was a a turning point from in my life to really to be able to tell this story. So um, we're excited this fall that that's the big one we're all ready for. Oh, please. When that's out, come back on, even if it's just for 20, 30 minutes and for sure. promote and plug that. I just love quality people and, and pro- promoting and plugging and doing what we do. Um, okay. So how did you, how did Sandman come about? Was that some friends? Was it something that you heard of? Like, how did that, what was the inception like of that? I'm always curious because so many things come from so many different ways and it's, it's inspiring for people that think, well, I would like to do that, but there's no way I could ever do it. It's like half the stuff that I've gotten is just so freaking random, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, well, I wrote the story because it was, like I said, it was based off of my real life situation. Wow. Um, so I, we tr- trying to find the name for the film. I had to think about it because as when we're younger and we're going through a lot of adversity, I mean, we all battle our own more personal demons, right? And so to me, Sandman is just a variation of the demon that I was battling back then that I had to fight through. It was my inner demon that was trying to come out that was being suppressed. And so I was, I tried to come up with a way to, to show those emotions through cinema. And I thought, how cool would it be if, you know, if this fighter's named Sandman and he's the guy that, that pulls this demon out from within and we even see his eyes go black in the film when, when he, when he turns into this, this thing, you know, and, and he really lets out and it's kind of almost like the incredible heart, the incredible Hulk, excuse me, meets the boxing world, you know? And so it's, it's, it's kind of a different take on things. And I just didn't know what the title was going to be. I always knew the story, but we just weren't sure. And I thought, you know, Sandman would be the perfect representation of, of this particular demon. And so I thought, well, let's let's try to put it to paper, see how people take to it. And it was risky. We took a chance with it because who's we're not sure are they going to like the supernatural element with boxing. And surprisingly, people took to it a lot better than I thought. So that was that was a pleasant surprise. And uh, we really what they actually said is they wanted to see more because we only hinted toward it in the short film. We only showed a little tease of it. And so now we know that we can get away with just a little bit more. And I can go see that tonight. Right. Where do I go to find that? Uh, actually, I can send you a, a private link to that if you want. It's oh, not it's out not... yet because we've been kind of hanging on to it until the feature okay. starts. We did the, the film festivals and things like that. It had layered on local TV in Pittsburgh, and we did really well there. Um, I would love to see that. Please, yeah, I want to Or if you're a DVD person, I can send you a physical copy too. So, Oh, no, I don't want to do that unless I buy it. I buy it from you. Uh, no, no absolutely. Pleasure, trust me. What's, um, what's another thing right now that people watching can go see? Uh, um, well, Checkmate, and I know, I believe that's the poster behind you in the middle there. So Checkmate was, was a good time. That was a, a feature film that we did a couple of years ago, 2017. And, and we shot all over Pittsburgh. It's an action film. It's a crime drama. Um, it's about human trafficking. And, you know, my character is Checkmate. I'm the villain in that. And I pretty much kidnapped the police chief's daughter, you know, so that we can kind of go after the, the funding that we're trying to get for our criminal empire. And so this whole chase takes place over the city of Pittsburgh. And we had a lot of help from everyone in Pittsburgh. Was, uh, the chief of police was great with us. And we were able to showcase downtown Pittsburgh and North Shore and the locations that we landed. 
and the, for the budget that we had, it looks like we had a multi-million dollar budget. Uh, it was all shot on Red Scar. The cameras just cinem cinematically, I think it was beautiful. Uh, it looked a lot more expensive than what we had been able to put into it. And so we're real proud of that. Um, wow. Almost like a Jason Bourne type thing, just a little milder. Wow. So who, what, was it like a production company that you knew or did you just get it and then you got to know them or... I'm always curious about Yeah, no, it was, it was actually kind of wild. Um, a friend of mine was up to the part, and he was leaving for L.A., and he wasn't going to be able to take the part. And so he had told this production company, Mountain Wind Productions, about me. They were, the guy that runs the company, Giuseppe Lucarelli, he was from Pittsburgh originally, but he moved away. He moved to Detroit, and then he went to, to Maryland and D.C. And so he came back because he wanted to film a movie in his hometown, but he didn't know as many people anymore. And so I got recommended to him the audition. He and I hit it off from day one, and then we just we went from there. And it was, it was kind of a, it was just kind of fate, like doing its thing, I think. And uh, I didn't even know about it. My buddy just told me, he said, "Hey, I'm recommending you for this part. See what you think." And uh, it, it was just probably one of the better things I did in a couple of years, that's for sure, just to be able to take on that role. And um, we have a really great cast. We have actors from Atlanta and from New York that were were flown in for this. And so we're, a lot of it was. It was, just, it was really spread out. So it wasn't all Pittsburgh actors either. We brought a lot of different people in to fill the right roles. It wasn't just thrown together. And I think the TLC is, is shown on camera. It's it's playing on Amazon Prime right now. You can stream it for free if you have Prime. And it's also available on DVD and Blu-ray, Walmart.com, Amazon.com. I'm going to watch it ASAP. Cool. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, it was, like, like I said, for, for an independent, we were really proud of it. No, that's, that's phenomenal. I love hearing about independence that you never know when, when I'm leafing through Amazon Prime, like, you know, what, God, there was a movie that I saw a while ago and who, was it Owen Wilson that wrote it and directed it? And then Salma Hayek was in it. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I'm not sure if I do. I might have It's such a mind F, like, yeah. I'm still upset that I wasted my time watching it. It was so flipping weird. Like, I'm really all... I'm down for a weird movie, James, but when it's just like months later of you just going like, what, what was that? Like, I mean, just like, no, no, like what, like you, you wonder if everybody was like on acid that was working on the crew or it was so bad. Like, it's just a big WTF. Like, and I, and I've watched like, I was like me and a friend that watched it. We're like, let's go watch some YouTube recaps. And like, even those people were confused. Like everybody's just like, why well, don't, Quite, no, I mean, there's nothing like what message was trying to be portrayed here. Like, I'm always down for the message or all oh, that or whoa. And it's like, huh? Like, I'm still yeah. going like, what? Was so it a Hollywood I, film? What's that? Was it a Hollywood film or an independent? Oh, no. I mean, it was a Hollywood film. It was, okay. you can tell it was big budget. Selma Hayek and Owen Wilson and just what the fuck? Like, I'm so disturbed by this movie. So I'm looking forward to watching yours. I know you and it can't be a pile of shit. How many sides did you have to have prepared to get the role for that? Like, what did you, where did you go audition? How did that, how did that go down? Was it in person, I assume? Yeah, it was in person. Um, we had actually met at a cafe or like a, like a coffee shop. There's some of them have like little back conference room areas. And so I, I had met with, with Joe for the first time there. He and I had, had a cup of coffee. He said, all right, let's, let's go over these roles. I did do him a video before that. I sent okay. Okay. Information so he could get to see me, get to know me a little bit because he didn't know me. And then when he came in, that's when we really kind of got to go over things and um, just kind of read a little bit and talk about each other's backgrounds. And I think it sort of came down to more, which is getting to know one another, the director and your lead villain. You know what I mean? 
I think Interesting. Are, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, well, I think sometimes they know coming in, they have a preconceived notion once they see you work on camera, on video, but they need to meet you in person to kind of see if you're in their mindset or on their level. And so I think we both knew that with each other within 10 minutes of talking to one another. And we're still friends today. We, we do other projects together now. And this is somebody I didn't know four or five years ago. So you were handpicked because of your friend moving to L.A. and it was not a cattle call because those are hard. Yeah, well, we were I was one of three people that was recommended. But uh, yeah, I had one out over the other two, I guess. I don't even know who the other two were, but they were able to get three recommendations. Two of them came from my friend and somebody else recommended a third guy. So, yeah, we, we bit off that because he was kind of like in a hurry to replace that character. And we only had a few days to figure it out. But, you know, I feel good that I was able to step up on short notice and make that happen. And, and we did a lot of great things with it. It's it's won awards in Las Vegas, too, and, and done pretty good. And, uh, to, to get to Walmart at the independent level, anytime you can see your product streaming and it's found in Walmart, it's, it's super cool, you know. I tell you, I see things that I've done in Walmart that I haven't gotten paid for yet from years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Really, yep. It's really upsetting because it's I just want to. Well, right? No. People are always like, "Oh, you need to get a um, oh, you need to get a life." You don't understand how this business works. Um, the Dark Knight was that a cattle call? That was in your hometown. How did that go down? I heard people talking about the set and saying that and that it was beautiful. And but I mean, what was it like getting that role? I bet this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people listening really understand. Sometimes either how easy it is or how difficult it is. That was crazy, and I, I actually talked about it last night too. But it was um. I say that it's definitely not my biggest role, but the biggest set I've ever been on because it was bigger than life. Um, yes. it, was, it was literally my first film back in 13 years in the business. Oh, and So I had to go to a general, what you're calling a cattle call for sure, is exactly yep. what I would call it. Because I had to stand downtown Pittsburgh at the Weston William Penn Hotel. It was in the bank. Line, it was, the line went three blocks around the building. And I stood in line with over 2,000 people for more than four hours just to get seen. And so when I finally got to talk with them, it was a real quick transaction. You're like, oh, well, I stood there all that time. Am I ever going to hear from them? And about three weeks later, I got a phone call. I was in Philadelphia at a friend's wedding, and they said, you know, can you be on set in two days? So I had to rush back when I was done. And um, we were, yeah, we were filming in Oakland, the Oakland area of Pittsburgh. And so what I got cast for was considered a Gothamite, but we were involved in, and I guess, again, it came down to my background a little bit, but we, we had to do fight scenes. It was where Christian Bale had, had the big fight scenes outside the prison when the when the prison break took place. And so you see a bunch of us. And then, I mean, when I say a bunch, there's hundreds of us out there in the street, you know, with these fights. And I'm probably like a quick glimpse in the crowd. But just to be able to be there and to be a part of that, to do the choreography with them and, and to be in Gotham City, because they literally transformed Pittsburgh into Gotham City. You wouldn't have even known it was Pittsburgh. That's, that's how hard they work putting this set together. And uh, just to be around like Anne Hathaway and Tom Hardy and Christian Bale, interacting with people like that on your first gig back that that was pretty cool oh and don't ever underestimate or undersell like oh i was for a blink or like i mean the amount of work that that takes and being present and time for auditions and callbacks and you know people just see all of this stuff or oh he was in this and like they don't realize what goes on behind the scenes or the four hours of waiting there and then it messes with your brain. It messes with your mind because, you know, you really have to go in there like you already have the part. And that's, you do. That's, you know, it's, you know, and then it, there's like this weird feeling like at auditions. And I guess I've been doing it for so long that I've risen above it. But like, I can compare sometimes the 
lack of breath or not being able to breathe because you're like, <gasps> um, to me in school with the SAT tests, when I didn't know what I was doing because I was either acting or singing or doing something school, I hated it. I just smiled and passed somehow. But, um, when you were, when you hear the other kids, like putting their pencils, just like that click, like, and you're like, oh my God, I don't even have four questions answered and click, click. And you're just like, everybody's getting done before me. Everybody's, and there's like a similar feeling sometimes when you're in line and you see like somebody taller or thinner or prettier, or they've got more experience. And then you're like, it's so hard to not let this creepy thing creep in of I'm not good enough or I'm never going to get this or why would they pick me or and then you got to you got to just stop and just say all right now you're out get this noise out and I am focusing on the part and it and then you think like am I just some kooky actor like you know like the reputation that actors and talent have like you're just in the wind somewhere it's a fine line between just reality and then being really good and being really concentrated and putting on like this shield that because it for chicks it gets really freaky when you see like big boobed hot chicks coming in and you know T- the the tna gig that i had with with impact wrestling forever you know i remember getting on a plane from either minnesota or la and flying to nashville tennessee and they didn't have uber and they didn't have lifts or i took a cab and went to hendersonville tennessee to jerry and jeff jarrett's place and physically knocked down, not knowing if they'd be there or not. Just, I'm going to get a hotel and go to Nashville and figure this out. Knock, knock, knock. And right. you know they didn't have time for me. And then I, you know, I came back again. I came back like many times until finally they like, well, all right, you keep on knocking, come in. No audition even set up. And then, you know, they, I got their attention, James, and they were listening. And then basically they were like, why would we want to cast you when there's, and literally walked over to a stack, like, this thick of manila envelopes, eight by 10 glossies, resume on the back. And they're like, look at this girl. She was in WCW. Look at this girl, WWE. Look at the tits on this one. Look at now. It's just like, and then I just remember saying to them like, all right, well, I would look at the tits on that one, but where is she? There's nobody here at your door or in your office. And every time I've come to see you, there's been none of these people. They've sent in an eight by 10 glossy, but I got on a plane seven times. And then I think I went over to like a bowl of decorative gourds and I stuck two of them in my shirt and I just stood there and I went, I'm just as good as they are. And I think that's what got me cast was I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. And it's very difficult when you're at a cattle call. So to be in, to be in that movie is a really big deal because of everything that goes into it. And when you did the choreograph scene, like how long did you spend learning that? Oh, actually, we spent more time doing that, I think, than the scene itself. We were probably, I bet, six or seven hours. Oh, really? Yeah, just because it was, you know, it was, it was portrayed that it was winter time, but it was really the dead of summer. It was the middle of summer, and it was, you know, 89, 90 degrees, and we're wearing winter attire, and everybody was sweating. So we had to take breaks continuously and, and recharge with fluids and um, but it was cool, you know, we just, I didn't care because it was my first one, and I was on a high, you know. Probably like you were when you went to Jeff and, and Jerry's, they saw your persistency, you know, and I just, whatever they wanted to do, I was game for it. Even if I had to pass out, it's um, <laughs> because it was, it was just so cool to be there. And I was, I was so happy to finally come back to the business in some capacity. 
and to be in Gotham City, that was cool. Um, it was a long day. I think our first day on set was about 14 hours, as most yep. can be, though, right? No, that's it's amazing. Again, people don't understand what goes into it. I'm really proud of you, and I'm excited, and I look at your IMDb. I can't ever say that right, IMBD. And it's I just it too. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so proud. The no knock list. Let's talk a little bit about that. And then I will respect your time. Cause I know we got yeah. off to a late start and you've got shit to do, but okay. no lock knock list. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a, the horror slash mystery genre. It's a little bit of a thriller. Um, it's kind of a thinker, you know? And so I'm, I'm a villain in that again, I'm an escape convict. It's, on the how on the hunt with his buddy, it breaks out of prison with him, and his buddy knows of this old bread and breakfast place, and they got a lot of loot and money tied up in there. And the only way we're going to get out of town with all the cops looking for us is to find our way into this place, get the cash, and get the heck out before anybody sees us. But what we don't realize is we're in store for a whole house of horrors. And, um, and the person, and I, I refer to her character as a deranged Mary Poppins because she's so amazing. And uh, if you're familiar with Marie Olson's work, yes, I started playing. And yep. Maria is in there with us, and she is absolutely wonderful. She's terrifying at times because she's so good at what she does. And uh, and that's what her character was. Her character was designed to terrorize and terrify my character throughout this whole evening in this house. She just manipulated the whole place uh, supernaturally, you know. And so that all these crazy things would happen to me and my character only, and it wasn't happening to other people. And it was kind of like a, a test to see if I would come back to the good side or not, you know. It was kind of testing my soul and tempting me a little bit. Um but so I don't, I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was an independent horror we shot in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, it was crazy, actually. I had a wrestling story with that one, too, because I, I was staying at the Holiday Inn there. And I who do I run into on the elevator but Jim Cornette? Oh, boy. I guess, he, yeah, he was doing a, a show there across town. And uh, it was just funny because I had no idea that there was even a show in town. Because there's not much in Parkersburg, so you're not expecting to see anyone. You know, and so that was that was pretty cool, too. But. Yeah, it was. We spent uh, every weekend for an entire summer in 2017 making that film, and so just driving back and forth from Pittsburgh and staying at the hotel and just putting in the hours. And um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think we it was well received, and it's it's won some awards at different places and festivals and Cleveland at, at some of the horror hounds and things like that. And um, where can we see that? Well, I, I haven't been told officially yet. It was out on private distribution last year on Amazon Prime. But it's been bought by a bigger independent company now uh, and somewhere in L.A. And they're going to tell me somewhere in the next two weeks they're supposed to give me the information on where it's going to. I'm hearing that it may show up again in, in June or July. And this one, everybody will be able to find it again. So the second I know, I'll make sure I tweet it out. I'll send okay. you a private message. I want to. I just want to see all your stuff. I'm, I, I'm so I excited. So excited for you. I just know how much how this goes and how hard it is. And then another question that I, I love to, to ask so that people that want to do this or wrestling or something else is when you're not doing this, do you have supplemental income? Do you do something else to pay bills? What does that look like? And how does that work? Because I think a lot of people think, well, I can't do that because, and they don't realize that there's all kinds of ways to do things. I got into graphic design when I was very, very young. Um, I got into photography and I got into sewing clothes. Now that would lead me to sewing clothes for boy bands at Paisley Park. And it would lead me to doing lyric sheets for boy bands again at Paisley Park. 
And that would lead me to saying to Prince, I can shoot these photos better than the people that you're paying thousands of dollars for if you just give me a shot. And and you know what? They did give me a shot. And then I, I was doing so much for boy bands that one of the managers at the time, I was on the road and he just, it was Dick Scott. Dick Scott was the manager for New Kids on the Block and Donnie Wahlberg and okay. Marky Mark and Tiffany and Boys to Men. And he started out with Barry Gordy managing the the, the Jackson Five and, and uh, Diana Ross. And basically he was Barry, he was Diana Ross's cock block. Like when Barry Gordy was cheating on her in the hotel, Dick was to get him, get Diana off the floor that he was cheating on her with. Like that's how Dick broke into the business. He was the shadiest dude. I learned everything not to do in the music business from Dick. But I just remember- what, what, yeah, you have to work with those people so that you know what you don't want to do. Oh, my God. He was not double. He was triple or quadruple dipping into. I've never seen somebody so scoundrelous. And, oh, God, he was stealing from everybody. But I remember being on a tour bus and him saying, girl, come over here. And I was like, yes, sir. You know, and he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I am the photographer, sir, for the tour. And he's like, no, Girl. What do you really do? Do you sing? And I was like, shit, I'm not supposed to talk about that. I'm sewing girl. And I was like, well, I can carry it to sit down, sing for me. And I was like, I'm not going to sing for you. I have curlers in my hair. And of course, my big audition is always when you least expect it. But I remember him knowing that something was up. And then literally, James, like the next day, it was like we were going back through Minneapolis, through Chanhassen. And he's like, you're opening for this band. And it was like, I, I had done the work and I had some little background dancers ready on a call on a dime. And we wore our little headsets and did our thing, but it was like right place, right time, go and, and, and do that. And I just think of like these crazy people. What, what the, why was I going on that rant? What was I talking about right before that? I had a point that I was going to make about you. No, we were just talking about how, you know, as creatives, when you're growing in the business, you have to juggle different jobs, too. That's what it was. But the reason that I got it was because I was doing photography, I was doing graphic design, and I was making clothes, which the making clothes, once I got into TNA, I started making all the, the ring jackets for all the boys and making a lot of the clothes for the girls and all of the early impact wrestling promo shots was me and all of the albums that you would buy, I did the graphic design for. So... If you're doing things for supplemental income and you're also working at your dream, whatever that is or looks like, you can still do things that either they have nothing to do with anything, like I work in a kitchen or I clean houses or whatever. That doesn't help necessarily my career with acting or music. Or you can do things that like can help funnel into the, the brand. So tell us about what, what you've done to keep things going, to inspire people listening that might want to do something a little outside of the box. Yeah, no, um, I think you have to, in order to make it, you have to be able to, you have to be willing to, to juggle jobs, careers, the whole nine yards in order to make it happen. I've done a lot of everything. I guess I've talked about my construction background, so I still carry a union book. I was a union boilermaker at one time. And so I still go back there from time to time. If I need to work in a power plant, if there's an outage, I'll go out there for a few weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever. And then we'll, and we'll probably get laid off and I can go back into the acting world when things pick up. Um, lately I've been doing a lot of sales jobs. I'm doing sales and customer service with a deli provision in Pittsburgh. And I kind of can set my schedule and change it a little bit so it. with the uh, horse head deli. I do that. Um, I've done a lot of different sales jobs, you know, and I've, I've 
I'm a, I'm an amateur hockey player too that I've always been. So sometimes I'll go into the rink business and help out or drive a Zamboni. I'm just I've done a lot of everything, but I think you have to be willing to do whatever it takes uh, to chase your dream because some of those jobs won't stick around long because they won't tolerate your schedule. But you got to be willing to go after the next one. But they do go hand in hand, like you were saying. You know, I've I've already shot commercials with my own company for Boarshead because they needed some help. Or I've done a safety video for a construction company because they knew that I was attached to the business. And so it's kind of funny how these worlds just chase you no matter where you go anyway. So in my opinion, it's meant to be. And I'm chasing this dream for the right reason, because when you see that it's very reaffirming, you know, you just have to be willing to work hard, um, especially if you're not a full time actor in L.A. You've got to have something else going in order to keep yourself alive. Well, even a full time actor in L.A., have you noticed what happened uh, sure. in the last year? Are you kidding? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody could have predicted that. I mean, that that knocked everybody on their ass. Excuse me. But that's oh, it, it did. It, and I just I and mean, I feel bad for the people that spent all of their time and money with you know classes and acting and like just that's people said to me well maybe now that the pandemic is you know coming to a close you know you'll get a real job and I was just like thanks you know like I have a real job I'm like that that extends to photography and to graphic design and I did go to school for that stuff and learned a lot and I consider it to be a real job you know the people that thrived during the pandemic it was like it flipped it was like all of a sudden the people that worked at Walmart or McDonald's or Burger King or people that were HVAC techs, you know, like all of a sudden they are like the new untouchable lords, you know, because right. they have garbage men or thriving and women. Yep. I can't say I've seen a lot of garbage women, but I, I do know a lot of garbage men. And yep. I was just yep. like, wow, there's a job that's really stable that all of a sudden now is freaking glamorous because you're making money. <laughs> people would kill for it. Yeah. And um, I don't think they know how hard it is. And then when something like that happens, it really, really sets you on your heels. Because I know I personally got shut down for more than four months from doing anything um, in terms of the the film world and acting. Yep. You know, well, some people are longer. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a prayer if you had four. Yeah. We respect your time. Realm Network. This is Goldie's Closet, episode 116. It's been going for, I guess, four years now with Vince couple years on my own. I'm just so happy and so honored that any of you would tune in and listen to all of this stuff each week. We're just so blessed to have you. We have James Quinn, the real, real James Quinn, scrolling at the bottom on the ticker. Please go give him a follow. Show some support. Keep him in your feed. We only have the best and the greatest people on Goldie's Closet, attracting light, great energy, motivation, encouragement, positive vibes. There's no assholes here. So in exchange for never bringing douchebags on the show, we want to make sure that you support and show some love. So James, just is there any closing thoughts, anything that we could do for you other than keep supporting and, and promote your stuff when it comes out? Is there any other little tidbit, a little something that we can we can do? No, no, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. And it, please, yeah, please keep supporting and just keep interacting with me, everyone, please. I, I, I love talking with everyone. And, and I like we can only grow together as artists. So let's keep pushing each other, right? We do the clap. Do the clap so I can cut it in. Thanks, everybody. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Just doing the daily check-ins on Patreon. Wanted to wish you the greatest start to your week. Come on over to Patreon. We're doing a lot of customized love. We just want to make sure everybody's getting the attention that they need and deserve. And that's merited. But we still want to come by on regular social media platforms and say thank you so much for being here, both for me 
and for the band. Love you, and as always, stay golden.